Living in the Sweet Spot. I am your host, Angelique Francis, and I am bringing you conversations with amazing, unapologetic overcomers. Yes, the Sweet Spot is my in my world is defined by the intersection between power, divine timing, and performance. Is it a coincidence? Is it fate? Or is it luck? You can call it what you want. I call it a Kairos moment, a God thing. Well, today we are hanging out in the sweet spot with my special guest, the founder of ten and the founder and ten-time Grammy Award winner, Singing Group Take Six, and he is my friend, and I'm welcoming in the sweet spot Claude V. McKnight the Third. What's happening? Wow, you put the V and the third and everything in there. Hey, I did, I did, Claudie Mac. We also call you Claudie oh, Mac. Oh, well, there's that, there's that. All right. Well, thank you for coming to Lamert Park. We call this the heart and the soul of Los Angeles. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we just want to catch up and see what you've been doing. Um, you did recognize that voice in the Sweet Spot theme song, I suppose. I did. The song is banging. That's uh, that's Mr. Mark Kibble, one of my one of my peers, my cohorts, one of my oldest friends singing that song. You, I guess you guys wrote that together? We did. Why aren't you singing on it? Oh, yeah, well, some people sing, oh. some people don't. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Mark Kibble, yeah, he was the, uh, he was the uh, my co-partner on that. We did a, a show called The Sweet Spot about maybe 10 years ago, and so I've always been a huge fan, and you weren't available, so, you know, I had to go to the next best. Mark is Mark awesome, Kibble. yeah. <laughs> we love Mark. You know what is crazy? I was in this studio and um, a new engineer is coming aboard, you know, at KBLA Talk 1580. And I was excited. She heard that I was having you on the show. And she said, oh, I'm a super fan. Like, I'm a really big fan. And I'm looking at her like, no, I'm their biggest fan. And I'm remembering you telling me you have people coming from Japan oh, yeah. following you all over the world. Mm-hmm. But I still say I'm the biggest fan. And then she rolled up her pants leg and showed me a tattoo of Take Six, the tattoo logo and i was like i mean the take six logo and i was like you win i bow down you're the winner yeah so unless you get a tattoo or 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 two i mean yeah she wins she wins uh before we go any further i would love just to hear just a little bit of spread love that was that first song three grammy nominations and then we're gonna get started let's hear it for a second First album, it was called Take Six. That song and that album garnered three Grammy nominations. You know what? The whole world was just crazy when they heard that song. It was six young, beautiful black men transformed the whole gospel world with this iconic jazz arrangements, right? 
It was beautiful harmonies. You guys kind of were cool. Well, kind of cool. You weren't that cool because you were all like 20, <laughs> but you were kind of cool. And you had these beautiful harmonies. And to be honest, every song that you did had elements of jazz, soul, rock, R&B on a gospel bass. What? And you were the founder. How did this happen? Tell me. Tell me. Where'd okay, it go? So I started a group at Oakwood University. It was called Oakwood College back then in Huntsville, Alabama. And this particular college has a really, really rich heritage of a cappella groups. My parents went there, my, my uncles, aunts, everybody. So you kind of knew once you went to this school, if you were a singer, you either got into a group or you started a group. So when I got there, literally at 17 years old, I was like, okay, I want to start my own group. I want to start a quartet. So I did. And I grabbed three other freshman guys, and we called ourselves the Gentlemen's Estates Quartet. Ooh, that's yeah, a sexy girl. name. Well, that, that, that was the name of the freshman housing. Okay. <laughs> so, well, that was creative. Right, right. And so at the time, we were basically doing like barbershop or doo-wop style right. uh, arrangements. And then uh, the way the story goes, and this is true, we were in one of those big bathrooms on campus rehearsing. And Mark Kibble came into that bathroom and added a fifth part to what we were doing. And I had known Mark for many years prior because his father uh, was the pastor of the church in Buffalo, New York right, that my family went to. That. Mm-hmm. So think about this. I'm a freshman with these other guys. Mark comes in. He's a high school senior because he's a year or so younger than me. And he ends up being in the group, starts arranging for us. And that's where the real jazz elements started from Mark's brain. Mm. Um, and so then we added one more member who was Mervyn Warren. And from there, I mean, the rest is kind of history. Well, so when did you become Take Six? I thought you were you started with a group called Alliance. Okay, so the original quartet. And then we added two more guys and became Alliance because we thought that was a cool name, you know. <laughs> and when we got Well, it our, was better than the, than the name that you had the first it, time it around. It sure <laughs> was. It sure was. And so then when we got our record deal in 87... They did a search on the name, and someone had the name Alliance. So we literally sat in a room and went through probably 50, 60, 70 different names, and Take Six was the one that had the most yes votes. So we probably got four people of the six to say, okay, that's cool. Okay, well, we're going to dig in deeper and and hear more about that. But, you know, I was talking to Tavis, and I thought, Tavis... I know where I met Take Six, and it was with Tavis Smiley. We were young black professionals. Tavis found you, I don't know where you came, out the sky or somewhere from heaven. And Tavis used to sing with us. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's going to love that. <laughs> well, he doesn't sing anymore. <laughs> we kicked him out. Right, <laughs> um, so Tavis invited you guys to down, I think it was City Hall. He was an uh, advisor to the mayor at the time. And you guys started singing, and I remember I, I, I was just blown away. It, I, did, I could not believe that you six young men, and I think you were maybe a year younger than me, maybe, or a year older, we were around the same time. And I just thought, how could this be real, what I'm listening to? And so I remember you were opening for Al Jarrell. So I got tickets at the Greek, saw you guys maybe two or three days later, and you and I have been great friends ever since. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because we reminisce every once in a while. And it's like, wow, that's over 30 years ago. Yes, and it was. we've been great friends since then. Yeah, and Algera was our first major American tour. All right, all right. Well, you guys stay with us in the sweet spot. I have Claude McKnight from Take Six, KBLA Talk 1580. And no one to call. Let me show you how it can be. 
Today we are hanging out in the sweet spot with my special guest, the founder of Take Six, 10-time Grammy Award winners, Take Six. Wow. Tell me about that song. Okay, so this song is called Even Though, and I'm, I'm going to be really honest with you. It's my favorite song that I've ever written. It's the first song I ever wrote with my brother Brian, who is my baby brother, and Honestly, and I've told you this uh, before, this song had you and your mom in mind because I had known you for such a long time and I knew that your mom uh, had passed and you were in a place where you needed to have some reassurance. You know, you needed to feel like someone was listening to you. And so that's what that song is basically about. Even though you're alone, surely, you know, you, I've heard you. You know, it's from God's perspective, and that's what that song was about. Wow. You talk about a sweet spot moment. I remember you offering encouragement and um, saying that you wanted to write a song that made a difference to somebody. So mm-hmm. that's made a lot of difference to so many, hmm. so many. I know that's a favorite of many of my friends, and it has gotten us all through some hard It gets times. me through. Absolutely. You know, and I wrote it. So. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the sweet spot because that's mm-hmm. the intersection, right? Between timing, performance, and power. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's exactly what the sweet spot is. Yes. So thank you. Now, let's go back to the beginning. We're going to go full circle. I want to know, you come out of Oakwood. You're there at a Christian college singing this song. You come from this amazing musical family. Everybody in your family could sing, right? Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have one blood relative that cannot sing. No, no, we do. No, but I'm, I'm, I don't believe you. I'm going to tell you this, this really short story. And Brian said this in an interview one time, but it's something that I've always believed as well. We did not know that other people couldn't sing until we got to school. <laughs> Because, oh. you know, it's cool. Johnny sitting next to you yeah, couldn't sing. You're like, wait, wait, what's happening? What? What's going on here? Because <laughs> we'd have these family reunions and everybody could blow. Right. And in fact, Brian and I aren't the best singers in our family. What? You know, we've got cousins and uncles and aunts who we just sit back and be like, yo, I want to do that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So so you get to Oakwood and was it easy? You know, what did you do? Just go to college, come out, get a record deal. What happened? How did you get this amazing record deal with Warner Brothers? OK, so the crazy thing is, you know, people can see things or I'll tell you this. We got the deal after doing one showcase. We asked someone if she would set up a showcase for us in Nashville, Tennessee, which was about 120 miles from Huntsville. <laughs> okay. And because Nashville, Tennessee is considered Music City. Yep. They have all the studios there and everything. So she set it up. Her name is Gail Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And she subsequently became our manager. But to stay with that story, she sets up this showcase at a place called Koinonia, which is a Christian bookstore. Invites about 250 people. What? Maybe seven or eight people show up. We do our showcase about 45 minutes, 50 minutes or so. Unbeknownst to us, Jim Ed Norman, who's the president of Warner Brothers Nashville. And when I say Warner Brothers Nashville, this is the country music division of (laughs) Warner Brothers. Right. Walks from his office over to this bookstore because he was wondering if the group that was doing this showcase was a group that he had received a piece of a cassette tape on (laughs) from a custom project we had done in Huntsville. Wow. So he listens to us. Afterwards, he says, I'm Jim Ed Norman. 
I would love to give you guys a deal. I have no idea what I'll do with this music, but I love it. Oh, my God. That day, right at the cafe. Yeah. And then how long did it take for you to start this first project? So we were in the studio 20 days later. Whoa. We hadn't even signed the contract. We literally were in the studio. He was like, I got you. That's crazy. That's great. I heard you say in another interview once that once you got into the studio, they didn't know what to do with you. So they pretty much left you alone. Yes. And so it, it gave you an opportunity to be as creative as you wanted and take risks. Yeah. Right? And I think that that was probably the biggest thing that allowed us to be who we are. Because if you don't know what to do with us, but you say you love it, <laughs> then you're not sending your producers in there to say, OK, let's make this sound more this or that or whatever. They had no clue. Right. And we only knew what it was that we, you know, had always done. So we weren't trying to do anything different either. Right. And he had said, if you guys sell, what, 10, 15,000 copies or whatever, it's cool. That first album has sold over 2 million copies. Oh, my word. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. And, it, you know, so many people have heard it, seen it. Uh, it's been on millions of playlists. But if you haven't heard it... Recently, I think you should all go back and listen to it one more time. <laughs> That's the very first album, Take Six album. Uh, three Grammy Award nominations for that album alone. They won two of those. Um, one of the nominations was Best New Artist. That alone, that is crazy. You guys are coming from this little little town, right? Little college, and you're just bopping along. And, and it's so funny to see how you've all grown because I've known you all for so long. And what we thought was so amazing over the top when you listen today and hear the maturation in your mm -hmm. voices and, and see your styles have just come into a whole nother level, I didn't think it could get better, but sometimes it just gets better. Well, it's funny because I think better is kind of relative. And what I mean by that is I can listen back to those first albums and cringe hearing it sometimes because <laughs> you know what you could have done better or technology was, you know, very different back then or whatever. But I think we actually captured lightning in a bottle. And that is just something that you never know if it will happen. And you're right. I mean, we came out, think about it, it was the late 80s, and you had had all these hair bands, uh, you know, as far as rock and stuff. Mm -hmm. And everything was about instrumentation and all these new gadgets and mm -hmm. stuff. So I don't think that it's a coincidence that we were nominated for Best New Artist and Tracy Chapman actually won that year. She was an acoustic Yeah, that fast car singer. record. That fast car record was Yeah, but high. I mean, everything all of a sudden became this yes. stripped down yes. thing. Yes, yes. And we were completely stripped down. We had no instruments. <laughs> well, you know, it was amazing, but I remember your dance moves back then. Oh. Ooh, yeah, that was yeah, painful, yeah. painful memory. Yeah, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we, sing. we sing. We sing a little bit better than we dance. I would say so. You know, Chloe, I can't help but say this, and I'm just going to break it down because, you know, I like to talk real with you. Um, sometimes gospel singers and people who've been in the church make it look like it's so easy and they're so perfect and they don't make mistakes. And so, you know, we're listening to your songs and we're hearing you talk about just have faith, stay in the game. But we don't ever hear of your challenges. Mm -hmm. So I heard that you almost got left behind. <laughs> and take six yeah, for a minute. Yeah, Tell yeah, us yeah. about that. Okay, so here's the story. Because um, you were the leader of the band. Oh, yeah. I started the group. I was the director, all of that good stuff. I was the lead tenor. And I got in trouble at Oakwood. Ooh. I got kicked out. Not only did I get kicked out, I went to jail. What? 
Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, me. So me and a. Did co- you write letters from the jail? Come Tell on, me what you do. It wasn't, you know, cell block eight, none of that kind of stuff. But so me and a couple of my roommates did some foolishness. We get arrested and we spend like two nights in jail, you know. But the school ended up bailing us out. Okay. Once they bailed us out, they kicked us out. <laughs> Because no. you, I never heard this you part could, of the story. You could have these rascals, you know, representing this Christian school or whatever. <laughs> but this leads to the story that once the state finally dropped the charges, I mean, that took months. Mm. So I had to stay around Huntsville until I could leave. I couldn't be in school. I couldn't be on campus. I didn't have a job, nothing. So I'm living in uh, one of the off-campus uh, trailer parks. You know, my girlfriend at the time is bringing me food from the cafeteria. I'm riding a 10 speed bike to get back and forth to places and stuff. So it was it was rough. But um, I ended up going back to Florida, Orlando, where my mom was. And I was like, okay, all of that is over. The group is done. I'm not going back to that. So I literally was going to be going to a school called Full Sail, which is an audio engineering school. In the Orlando area. I was all set. This is what I want to do. Blah, 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 blah. My mom goes up to Huntsville to do something and ends up running into Doug Smith, who owned the studio that Alliance had done the custom project. She just project. happened to run into this well, stuff. I think she had to do something at that studio wow. anyway. Okay. Doug asks her, what is Claude up to? She's like, well, he's going to go to Full Sail and all that. He said, oh, no, no. Have him come back up to Huntsville. And he can intern with me, learn everything he needs to learn as far as audio engineering is concerned. So now I don't have to pay to go to Full Sail. I can go back to Huntsville, learn the craft, start singing with the group again, and then carry on with my life. Within a year, Take Six has their deal. Wow. Come to also find out, Angelique, they had been trying to replace me (laughs) because they wanted to continue with the group. But for whatever reason, there wasn't anybody to their liking to take my place. If they had, <laughs> we'd be having a different interview. Yes, we would be. <laughs> You'd be in cell block eight. <laughs> I, I might. Singing. You never know. Singing for my dinner. You never know. But more importantly, uh, God had a different plan for mm-hmm. you, right? And uh, sometimes we got to go through those those knocks and those you know bumps at the head, upside the head, you know, because had you not gone through that, you do ever think about that? Had you... Oh, all the time. Yeah. I think everything happens for a reason. Right. I think I got in trouble for a reason. Mm-hmm. I think I was humbled mm-hmm. um, on purpose. I needed all of that to happen. My mom played a huge part in this. Doug Smith played a huge part in it. Take Six not being able to replace me was a huge part. It all happens for a reason. No, absolutely, absolutely. I feel like I need a song. Can we just play just a little bit of one more of uh, Claude's songs right now? I love it. Thank you for being here. Oh. Gotta make this quick. Gotta make it stick. <laughs> Better begin. So listen up. Won't you give it here? Do here. I have communicate so much to say. So little time. Provide me fun. So I'm taking this alone. Only got about a minute. I hate apropos. Not too many seconds in it. And I'm just fair. I tried to win some other way. I was ready to do some good. You had a story. It does. Oh, it was a little time. Princess did a chat mess. So much to say. So little. If you can be a gender, if a dog can be repentant, if a kid forget, please just try it. The rules are exempted, but it is redemptive. A formula for rich your life. So much to say. So little time. Definitely, little original. Eventuality is strange from infinity. We know that, but
That was so much to say. Nineteen ninety one, best one Grammy, best contemporary soul gospel album. Wow. <laughs> so in, in in two years, your first two years, three years, first two years of your career, mm-hmm. you won. We won three or four. Uh, uh, two, three. At least three, maybe yeah. four. Yeah, yeah, in the first two. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, seeing you in New York, and you literally were going from the Grammys to singing in Carnegie Hall. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was cool because the that first, was our first year time. and a half yeah. year of your career as yeah. a professional singer. Yeah. Crazy. A lot of things happened early on for us that, looking back now, I think on some level we took for granted. Almost like, oh, well, this is supposed to happen, you know, because they were just happening one after another after another. Um, but we were truly, truly blessed. Mm-hmm. Yes, you were. You know, six opinions as you work in the studio or on stage. That has always amazed me. It's interesting because your music is diverse. Like each of you have a totally different part that you play, mm-hmm. right? But then you have to come together in this hodgepodge or this gumbo, if you will, with all these different elements. Without any of those elements, it doesn't work. And But you created a new paradigm. Like it just wasn't anything like it had been in music. You created something new. In fact, Tavis and I were just talking about what iconic means. You guys were an iconic group. You changed the way that people thought about music and jazz. Well, you know, it's funny because you don't think about any of that stuff as it's happening for you. Mm -hmm. You just try to do the best that you can do and be the best that you can be. And then you let other people say what it is, (laughs) you know, and going back to what you were mentioning about six different guys and all of that, that's where the harmony comes in. Mm. You have all kinds of harmonies. You have dissonant harmonies. And that can happen, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of different ways. You have tension and release. I think huh. those are some of the most amazing parts of what music is about. And I think our relationships are like that as well. We fight at times. We resolve those fights. We're very transparent with each other on things that we've all gone through and whatnot. And I think that that makes the harmony for us. Wow. Okay. So that was deep on a few different levels. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just life. You I know? like it. And it yeah. is life, right? Mm-hmm. And the harmony piece, that's, I think I will never listen to your work the same way. And that's a whole nother way to think about it. Um, when we return with more, we're going to talk about your career in a group versus career as a soloist. Did you ever, like, consider wanting to be a solo artist? Uh, Were you ever fed up with the sixth man on a tour? You know, I would love to know about those times when you really weren't sure you wanted to keep doing this, if there was a time. Okay, so we get fed up with each other all the time. (laughs) Right. I'm not going to lie. You know, in this 30-plus year journey, yeah, we've all been like, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm leaving tomorrow. Um, oh, you've all said that at some point? Absolutely. Wow. Probably somebody yesterday. <laughs> I, it happens. Any group, th- what happens with group dynamics when there's more than one person is that there will be more than one opinion. Right. And more than one way of I want it go, to go this way. So imagine with six people, 
You know, it's mm-hmm. very hard at times to agree on things. Mm-hmm. But because we believe this group is larger than than the individuals, you know, we, we go with what we think is best for the group. Absolutely. You know, and this is God's group. Wow. Okay. Well, when we come forward, we're going to talk more with Clopping Knight. You're with Angelique Francis in the sweet spot. KBLA Talk 1580. Let's check out the song written by Claude McKnight of Take Six. He's our guest today. I'm looking in the mirror I don't like what I see All the years of bad choices Staring back at me Listening to Back to You by Claude B. McKnight, leader and founder of Take Six. We are talking about living in the sweet spot. I am Angelique Francis. I am so honored to have Claude here today. Claude, that song, Back to You. Wow. Talk about it. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna preface it by saying this. I am not a prolific songwriter. A lot of times I write when there's something really on my heart or something that I really feel I need to get out. And so this was probably, other than even though, um, one of the only other songs I've ever written that was really, really personal. I had just come through some real foolishness. Mm. You know, um, people think that if you sing gospel or, or you proclaim to be Christian or whatever, that you don't have foolishness in your life. And I can only speak for myself, and I've had plenty of foolishness in my life. You could speak for everybody. Everybody's got some foolishness in their life, right? So, yeah. So that song came out of that. You know, how many times have I been here before? You know, how Mm. many times do I have to fall? And knowing that, you know, God still loves me. And you have to sometimes, if you're, especially if you're a knucklehead, be flat on your back before you really know where you're supposed to be. And that's what that song is really about, you know, going, coming back to you, you know, back to God. And, you know, I'm not perfect yet. You know, every day is an adventure, you know. Mm. And so that's where that song came from. So many people talk right now about imposter syndromes, right? And, <laughs> you know, being in front of thousands as you are, I understand you probably tour 100 days out of the most years, except mm-hmm. before, prior to COVID. That's a lot of FaceTime in front of people mm-hmm. looking like you have it all together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> wow. I don't know if there's a question in there, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're right. So you have to, 
because they came there, they came to the show to be entertained. Mm -hmm. They came to get what it is they believe that you have for them and who you Mm -hmm. are. And sometimes you're not feeling that. Sometimes you're not that, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you this without question. Sometimes you're on that stage and you're giving people something that is ministering to your own heart at Mm -hmm. the exact same time. And so we've had those experiences as well. Absolutely. Well, we all get, you know, lose our way sometime. Mm -hmm. Can you share? Will you share? um, Have you ever just lost your faith and felt like your God had sort of left you (laughs) alone? You know, so the honest answer is we'll I, am, I am an eternal <laughs> optimist. Okay. I'm going to start there. The glass is always at least half full for me. Mm-hmm. So even in my darkest hours, I've always had the ability, I believe, to know that, that, that God is there for me. That doesn't mean that I'm not afraid when, when stuff is actually going down or that I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. I believe in you, but I'm not seeing it right now. But I can honestly say that I don't think that my faith has ever been shaken enough that I'm like, where are you, Lord? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in that sense. Okay. Um, straight. Still beautiful to look at. <laughs> I, was like, e- I was like, is there a question straight? Even better. <laughs> To listen to, even better to listen to, why have you never been married? Wow. <laughs> well, okay. let's just go All right. there. All right. So we're going there. All right. So this almost leads back to uh, some of what I was talking about a little bit ago about the song. You know, I think that for the longest time of my adult life, up until just a few years ago or so, I knew that I had enough foolishness in my system that I probably wasn't going to be this amazing married man. <laughs> Let's just say that. Okay. You know, I think, and this isn't a, an excuse or whatever, but I think one of my demons has been uh, the demon of, 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 wow, how do I say this? I don't want to say women because they're not my demon. You know, it's, it's literally just knowing how to be in healthy relationships. Yeah, there it is. And that you know? comes from generations sometimes. Absolutely. Right? You know, Does you it... kind of do what you know and mm-hmm. what you've seen and stuff. And again, not not to blame it on anyone else mm-hmm. because you have the choice to make the decision to go right or left, mm-hmm. you know? And so there have been times in my life where I know that I haven't made the healthy decisions. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I've been working on. And that's an everyday, everyday journey. Mm-hmm. And you have two beautiful daughters two daughters two grown daughters my daughter jessica is 33 okay my daughter Issa isabel is 21 she'll be 22 in november and they are beautiful i see on your social media that is so amazing well i have a couple of more questions i have for you you know people talk about being a song stylist i did a little research and i see you have something on youtube called follow my lead. That was really cool. I love that sort of idea of you, you explain it. I can, but you, you explain what follow my lead is. Okay. So I sing lead vocal, you know, with take six. So a lot of those songs I'm doing the lead and I, over time there, you know, have been songs that I've sung where I've had certain moods or certain things to get me there to get the song done. And I thought it would be interesting to share with people what I was going through, what I was thinking, what was happening in my life musically, spiritually, 
emotionally or whatever as I was singing these certain lead vocals to see uh, not only not only to take the veil back uh, or to move the veil back so people would see the truth, but to see if it lined up with their expectations of what they thought was going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it came mm-hmm. from a conversation I had with the late uh, James Ingram, who I asked him about a specific song, what he was thinking about when he sang the song. And he talked about the fact that he didn't write it and all the stuff he was thinking about as he sang this song, and I was enthralled. I was like, that's what I want to be able to get, not only from myself to give to people, but to talk to other singers and ask them about specific songs mm-hmm. and say, so, on this song, what were you going through? And to get those backstories. We definitely got to co-produce that because I'm loving that. All right. And you spoke of James Ingram. You love James Ingram. I always, always knew you did. Yeah. People who know you know Donald, uh, Michael McDonald Michael was McDonald, another one. Yep. And uh, Earth, Wind & Fire. So yes. all those influences show up yes. in your music and how you do what you do. Well, absolutely. I, and, and it's funny because as I'm trying, even at this place in my life, at being, you know, in my whatever, how old I am, um, I'm always trying to stay as authentic and unique as far as my own voice is concerned. But because I listened to these guys growing up, there's always elements of all of that <laughs> in everything I do. And I'm sure the guys just fall out and lay out, here, <laughs> yeah. here he go. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, when we come forward, we've got a few more questions we have to ask you. All right. So today we are hanging out in the sweet spot with my special guest, Claude McKnight of Take Six. I love that song, that remake. <laughs> Thank That's you. amazing. Thank you. Wow. You love that song? I do. So it's from a group called Ambrosia. And I knew that song from like 1980 when it was released. And I honestly said to myself back then, one day I'm going to be in a group that does that song. <laughs> and so you started a group yeah. just to do that song. Just to do that song. <laughs> Well, I was watching Follow My Lead, and then I thought, well, what are you doing now? What's going on? I know that COVID, for all of us, what? A, how did you survive COVID? Yeah. You're like on the road every day, and all of a sudden, your entire life stopped. What so, did you do yeah, in that time? It was crazy, because I think, at least for myself, you, you find out a lot of things about yourself, huh. you know, when it's yeah. just your own four walls. And, you know, I had known for 30-plus years like you said, 100 dates or more a year uh, touring the world. So that was my normal. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't normal at all to sit at home. So I tried to immerse myself in learning new uh, talents and stuff like that and experimenting with stuff. So I bought a bunch of uh, photography equipment and I started learning how to film. And that's how Follow My Lead started. You know, I just started filming myself. Uh, and that led to other things because I, I also I, I have been doing voice lessons for like seven years. Okay. And I primarily have done those online anyway. Uh, well, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> I'm gonna have to sign up. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. maybe. I've got Cause, speci- cause in, special in, rates for those who um, <laughs> who need remedial help. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. My kids, if they're listening, they're like, please teach my mama how to sing. What about building blocks of the song Stylist? All right. Wow. So that's, uh, that's a great segue. Yeah. Yeah. Bro. So what I decided to do was I wanted to scale this thing that I'm doing one at a time anyway. Uh, I've had uh, students from all over the world, Russia, China, uh, Japan, all through the United States, as far as my vocal lessons are concerned. And I teach style. And well, Let me go back. I don't teach style. I coach style, meaning you already have things inside of you that I just need to help unearth or help you be more comfortable with and more authentic with to be able to tell the story of the song. Well, it's like performance coaching. I perform. Absolutely. Coach. So that is part of how mm-hmm. we do it. Right? Yeah. So what I wanted to do was to put together an online program. And again, it's called Building Blocks of the Song Stylist. So I go through all of the tools for your toolbox. I go through what is the lyric of this specific song saying. How do you make it conversational? What are you bringing today? Are you nervous? Let's say you have a performance to do and you just can't shake the nerves. Well, bring those nerves to the performance. Mm-hmm. Make that work for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you in good voice today? Well, you still got to do the performance. The show must go on. So I hope you figure out what you have, how to be authentic in that moment, and be a song stylist. That's beautiful. Okay. Well, we are at KBLA Talk 1580. I'm with Claude V. McKnight of Take Six. The third. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stay with us in the sweet spot. I am Angelique Francis, and I am here with Claude McKnight, living in the sweet spot. So, Claude, I do have a question. If the sweet spot is the intersection between power, timing, and performance, tell me, when do you know you're in the sweet spot? Well, okay, so for me, it's almost exactly what you just said. It's an intersection And when I feel balanced, Mm -hmm. you know, in my spiritual life, Mm -hmm. my physical life, my finances, my emotions, all those things, then I'm in the sweet spot. (laughs) You know, any of those things being out of whack just isn't a a very healthy place for me. Mm -hmm. So it's all about balance for me. And I strive for balance as much as I can. I go back to what I talked about with songs. There's tension and release. When there's too much tension... It's not a really great song. Mm. It's too much release. It's not really a great song either. So I think the balance between all of those things is what really makes something uh, that amazing gumbo. Wow. Tension and release. Mm -hmm. That's true in everything, whether it's your career, whether it's your relationship, even your physical body, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Completely. Absolutely. Mm -mm. Well, thank you, Claude McKnight. Please come back in a few months and talk more about the building blocks of the song stylist. I will. How does how do people get in touch with you and um, sign up? Uh, well, you know, I'm working on the website now. You, know, you can find me at Claude at TakeSix.com. Uh, I do lessons one-on-one through that. Uh, SingingSuccess.com also, which is a company that Brett Manning out of Nashville, Tennessee has. You can find me there. Also, on Facebook, I'm Claude McKnight. You can find me there. You know, my Instagram is down right now for some reason. But, uh, you know, I'll get that back up. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Well, I love it. Thank you so much for being with us. And um, this is KBLA 1580 Talk in the heart of Los Angeles.
Thank you, Tavis Smiley, for being unapologetically black and progressive. You can follow me at Angelique in the Sweet Spot on Instagram. I'll see you next week with our guest, Vanessa Bell Calloway. This is Angelique Francis, and thank you for joining me in the Sweet Spot. Listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Monica.